Hey everybody, it's Jeremy, and welcome back to the latest episode of the Memory Vox. Um, really excited to uh, bring this uh, episode to you guys. Um, had an opportunity to sit down with my old, second oldest daughter, my 19-year-old Sophie, um, before she is moving off to or back to college, I should say. Um, so this was just a fun little. Um, conversation we had um, about what everybody in the music industry is talking about these days, and that is the uh, the new Taylor Swift album, Folklore. So hope everybody enjoys. A couple of quick show notes, just so everybody knows. You will hear some kind of banging and clanging in the background. That's just our dog uh, chewing on her bone. And uh, because even though I didn't realize it, also, you might hear a couple little hiccups in the audio um, because my cord was just about to uh, unplug from my my laptop as we were talking, and I didn't realize till the end and nearly lost the whole conversation I had with her, but was able to recover it, thank goodness. So with all that said, I hope you guys enjoy. Thanks. All right, so today's episode, we're going to be talking about the new Taylor Swift album, and I thought, who better to talk about this with me than my 19-year-old daughter, Sophie, who is my resident Swifty, and who has been a big Taylor Swift fan for a while, or I don't know how big. How big have you been? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, after Reputation, I kind of fell off, but yeah. when I was younger, big Swifty. Yeah. Well, I was say, we got you all of the... I think we at one point owned all of the yeah i think we found them when we were packing up the garage the other day i (laughs) I found my old speak now with like the red dress on it i i remember listening to that one right and fearless a lot i remember we were gonna free spotify (laughs) yeah we were gonna try to get you tickets but she's hard to get it in yeah i think we were mom was talking about getting tickets to reputation which is kind of the album that i just like didn't really enjoy of hers. That was probably the one that I really didn't listen to. Right. When I kind of like fell off the Taylor Swift bandwagon, I guess. I don't know. Always been kind of a fan. Yeah. I have friends that are bigger Swifties than yeah. me, though. Well, introduce yourself. This is my daughter, Sophie. So say a little something about yourself, Sophie. Um, okay. I'm Sophie. I study journalism at Mizzou. <laughs> That's it? That's all you got? <laughs> I don't know. All right. No, that works. So, yeah, so Soph has listened to T-Swift for a while. I am sort of a fan because I listen to it because of you. You're welcome. Because, like, everything else, like Ed Sheeran and everything else, I just listen to it so that I know what you guys are listening to and, you know. But, honestly, she's, I mean, she's talented. She's a good writer and stuff. The newest album, obviously, is getting a lot of praise. It's by far, I think, her best one. And it's, I personally think it's because... Obviously, she's turning 30. She's older now. And you can see with all of her um, CDs, her progression of age. So, you know, her early stuff, she's writing about being a teenager. And this one, I think, she's always written about herself in a sense. And this is the first one where she just wrote about things that she knew and came up with stories. And there's not as much, like, what do they call it, Easter eggs in there about herself. But there are a few. So, but what do you think of the album as a whole? Yeah, I think it's a very mature take on Taylor Swift, just in her entire body of work. Um, I think it's 
very reflective of her style, though, and I think it's very much, like, on brand for her. I think it's getting a lot of attention, one, because it kind of came out of nowhere, yeah. so she didn't go through all of the marketing scheme and the branding and all of that and, like, right. pushing it out there, which is what got um, Lover a lot of attention with all of those Easter, egg, Easter eggs on her Instagram posts and stuff. Um, and I think a lot of people are calling it, like, the post-pop era of Taylor Swift. And I don't know if I'd go that far because I think it has a lot of... It draws a lot on her previous music, I guess. Right. But I think it's a very mature take. I think it displays a lot of her, like musical knowledge and also her story writing ability which is what has made her such a big artist because her first album came out when i mean i was i think i was five or six yeah, and i've like probably listened to her since then um and i think it's um yeah but i think it's a very mature take on what she already knows how to do but it's very on <laughs> she's distracting me. i know um, but yeah, it's very on brand. I think it still discusses all of those themes that she's saying about since she was 16, um, love and falling in and out of love. I think there's also still those, um, themes of like femininity and feminism, which I do think are two different things that she tackles, um, and loss and maturity and growing up and, right. you know, she talks about in one of her songs, like coming of age is over. And I think that's very reflective in this album. Yeah. Well, lover was a lot of like... Everybody touted that as, like, um, because she's a touring artist, and that's an album that you can tour on. All the songs are catchy and upbeat, and it's got that, um, the, the guy whose name is escaping right now, the, the guy from Switzerland who always helps her with this stuff. Yeah. This, she went a completely different direction. She got some, quote-unquote, adult um, co-writers to go with her. The guy from the National and Bon Iver, mm -hmm. who are like, I mean, in my day, we're like college rock, and they've grown up, and mm -hmm. their their music has always been touted as adult or you know, almost even dad rock, as what some people would call it. Like the Nationals are like, mm -hmm. like dad rock. So there's a lot of that sound on it. But I think you're right. I think it definitely is like everything from her original country roots. And she's always progressed. She's never been like, I'm just going to be this. Like, every time she has an album, it's completely different from the last one. This one, I think, is just uh, her being able to tell her stories that she wants to tell and having a few little Easter eggs in there, which I've, I've kind of, like, figured out as I've been listening to it. Um, so, you know, uh, the song, was it The Last, last Great American yeah, Dynasty? Yep. It's a good one because... It is sort of a personal story where she did her usual Taylor Swift thing of taking something that was about her, and it was what it really essentially is: is she bought this house in Connecticut, and you know was kind of getting in trouble for all the noise, like her neighbors were like not liking her and stuff, and so she kind of did some background research on it, and figured out what the story of the house was, who owned it before, and she tells the whole story going forward to her buying the house and. And taking it over and, and its prestige, which I thought was kind of cool. So yeah. So a little bit about her, but not. I mean, most of the songs I feel like are just stories that they came up with. Not not like oh, this is about me. So yeah, and that's kind of what you would expect with an album titled Folklore, because that, I mean, just insinuates like these are stories, these are folklore. Um, they are representative of something bigger. 
And I think that fits in with her writing style because she's so metaphorical in all of her stories. Right. And that's why she always produces those songs with Easter eggs, and that's what keeps her listeners, like, coming back each CD or album. Um, but I think, like, the maturity aspect and with the artists like Bon Iver on there on Exile is what... Or, like, that sense of maturity comes from the sense that this is, like, an indie album. Right. Or that's what you're supposed to think of it with the right. title folklore. Right. Um, but I think it draws so much on her country roots. It's kind of amazing she did that. Because um, I've listened through the album three times. So yeah. the first time, it's very much that, like, indie folk, indie pop. Um, but then once you, like, go back and listen to it again, songs like Betty um have those like country like right. twang almost um that really keeps it on brand and i think like you said she's never been just a country artist or just a pop artist very good at doing that and i think maybe some of it has to come with age and just like changing times like i think this is a very 2020 right. album yeah but i think it's really it looks good on her as a brand when she does that because I think we've talked about this with like Fallout Boy and Imagine Dragons. Right. Is that you have to switch up your sound, otherwise you're gonna lose people. So if she had just stayed country, she would not be this oh, yeah. mega huge female artist icon right. that she is. And we've talked about it with chain smokers too, like they have a very distinct brand, but they don't really shift away from that it i mean it's a joke on the internet like all of their songs are the same like dubstep beat drops like same and i think what draws this album in with the rest of her body of work is that it does stand out as very very like on taylor swift if you just take it compared to like lover Mm -hmm. or just compare it to reputation it does seem very like out of what she sort of produces but it's yeah i think it fits in really well no, I agree. And I think, yeah, like you said, Betty is a good example where you still kind of have that country sound. And then, you know, uh, the first one, the one, you really get a lot of the same aspect of the lover. Mm-hmm. But I also like the fact, like you said, from a femininity standpoint and the fact that she's getting older and she's always made that a point of being, I mean, because she had the song, If I Was a Man. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she basically is putting that right out there. And this is finally her showing that you know okay i i am as big a star as any guys or any of this and i think honestly she's going to go down in the past or in the future as like one of the greatest songwriters ever Mm -hmm. when you really look at it i mean like i look back and i think of like the stones and like bruce springsteen and stuff i think she's right up there with them but like for them time tells like as people got older you look back and go, oh, they were so great. I mm-hmm. think you're going to do the same for her. Um, well, yeah, because especially now, obviously, like I said, her first album came out when I was probably five or six. And so I was listening to it and I just liked how she sounded. Like, it's not like I was paying attention to what she was saying necessarily. And like all of my friends liked her. So I was like, oh, I'm going to listen. And I ended up liking her too. But then you look back and you see like her song um, Mean on Speak Now. Mm-hmm. And then you go and look at like, the man from lover and then there goes last great american dynasty on this album and mad woman on i think one of the other ones i remember and they all fit this theme she's been very true to herself i think she's had very different ways of displaying that so mean is very much like more like i don't want to say i she's playing the victim because to be fair she 
like is the victim of right. a lot of misogyny right. and all of that, especially in the music world. But you can see that she's always been like, I don't want to be a female songwriter or a female musician. I don't want to win the you know best female songwriter awards. I want to be the best songwriter. Right. Or like I want to be known for writing, right. not girl. And I think she's even recently gotten away from it. Because, you know, in the beginning, she's like, oh, my gosh, it's me. I can't believe you love me so much. To where she's finally taking it on of, like, no, I am that good. And you guys should listen to me. Yeah. Um, well, and I think she also gets a lot of hate right. in the music world for, like, oh, you're only famous because you write about love. Or, like, you write about being dumped. Like, you would never be anywhere if you didn't write about, like, Taylor Lautner, like, and your breakup. And, like, this famous person's breakup with you. But... You don't look at male artists that way. Right. You don't look at Ed Sheeran and you're like, oh, you're only famous because you dated a girl once. So it's very different. Like, it's apples and oranges because those are two very different artists. But right. the way they're compared that way, I think she's... I think in the beginning, she was, what, 16 when that first album right. came out? And so she didn't really have the authority to be like, no, I'm a songwriter. Right. I'm not a girl who sings. Right. I'm a songwriter. Right. And so now she's gained this traction and she really has become such like a superstar and also a role model just like in pop culture aspect of it all so she can finally be that mature woman who's showing younger girls like no you can be whatever like this is who I am sorry well and she's always written for girls and honestly I've said this once before girls are the ones buying the music I mean that's statistically still your age group is the people buying the music, and she has always been written towards that. And she's written in her age group, which brings me to the other thing I was going to talk about, being in a very adult album and totally outside of her realm. This is the first time she's got three explicit lyrics, mm-hmm. um, and she drops the F-bomb two or three times, yeah. which, again, is her way of showing, I'm older now, and you're going to have to deal with this. Yeah. And this is who I am. Well, it's the same thing as, like, Demi Lovato and Selena Gomez. Like, you can't expect someone to stay 20 forever or 16 forever. Right. And I think, especially with a lot of the things going on in the past few years with Taylor Swift's career and, like, trying to get her, um, like, music under her name and, like, all of those, like, legal battles, I think she just had to push forward. Right. And especially... If you want to compare Lover to mm-hmm. Folklore, you have songs that are like, spelling is fun, and right. those sort of things, and they're pop, and she has people like Brendan Urie on there, and it like it made a good song, it made it to the radio, she was going to tour this summer, but she really had the chance to just write stories. Well, and so I was that was the other thing I was going to point out. So did you, do you know about the three particular songs on the album that are all kind of intertwined. Have you heard about that? Uh, what are, which ones? So what I've listened to it a few times, plus I've heard a few other, like read some other things and heard some other interviews. So cardigan, August and Betty mm-hmm. are all one storyline that she's written from the perspective of three different people. And it's, right. a, it's a love yeah. triangle. Betty is and, the male perspective, right, which, which is the first time she's ever done that. But it's really good. I think that also goes back to, like, the commentary on, oh, you're just popular because you're a girl writing about love. Girls like that. Like, I think that's sort of, like, she can push those barriers now that she's 30 and she's had, this is, what, her eighth album? Something like that, yeah. Um, Yeah. But she's really good about connecting songs back together. I think she always has been. This is very clearly, like, these storylines fit. And, like, I did hear Betty because of its um, alternative perspective. It does fit in with 
the August, August and Cardigan. Yeah. yeah. Um, I didn't hear about Cardigan, but I'll well, have to Cardigan go back. is written from the actual girlfriend, right? Or how how this is kind of how yeah, it gets like received. he throws her away and then she's like after Correct. she feels discarded, he like takes her back and, and whereas makes her feel loved. August is the the girl who's getting in between them. Which, if you're listening to Betty, it's you know, yeah, you know, the, the other girl, and then and then Betty is you know the guy realizing that a he messed up and knows that he did wrong, but wondering if she's going to forgive him kind of thing, mm-hmm. and then ultimately she does not. I yeah. Mean, so, which I thought was kind of fitting and stuff. So, mm-hmm. but as a whole, I would, I think the whole album beginning to end is really good. So. Yeah. Same. I think it's cool because if you've listened to previous albums you can definitely see like again a lot of people especially on twitter like the night that it dropped when i was just like scrolling through a lot of people were like you know like you take the reputation where she was like the old taylor is dead and everyone was like yes like here's a new start like pop taylor and then now they're like this is a new like era of taylor swift where it's post pop right i don't think any of those times was very like so distinct like she's always had her country roots and like but also, like, people are saying, like, oh, this is the first time she's ever dabbled in, like, alt and indie. And that's also not true because there are certain songs, like, um, Enchanted on her previous right. album, right. Back to December, those sort of songs. And also all of the country, like, from Fearless and Speak Now, that's very, very highlighted right. in this right. album. But I think it's cool that she's always been capable of having this sort of album that's very, like, indie and alt but it's just so fitting with her brand and she's just been able to like write the story she wants. And, you know, also, also for the people who kind of doubt if this is similar or not, honestly, if you were, if you were listening to it from a musical theory standpoint, her chord changes, her tempo changes, her voice, all exactly line up for everything she's ever done in the past. Mm -hmm. The way she can, you know, use the melismas type sound of, turning like C into like a four syllable word. Mm-hmm. She, I mean, she's, she's never changed the way she is. So she, yeah, that, so. I think sonically the only one that really stood out to me as like, wow, I've never heard this from her before. is epiphany mm-hmm. just because I think it's like you said, like with chord progression, all of that, I think it's stand out as like, I've never really heard her do that, but things like, you know, the song seven has very similar chord progressions obviously right. i haven't looked at like the sheet music too, right. like enchanted like i mentioned right and betty and mirrorball and invisible string all have very like distinct like speak now sort of like country chord progression and the ones she often uses and then also like um there was a song that she wrote for the hunger games i want to say i think it was called safe and sound um you can see a lot of like that type of like that was the chord progression and the key and all and the tempo and all of the things she included in that song were to make it like kind of dark and mysterious. You can definitely see that in this album with like all of those like country-ish right. songs. Right. And then you have like the very, very what I would consider like indie alt would be like Exile with Bon Iver. Those are really the only two, that one and Epiphany that really like stand out as like, wow, I've never heard her do right. this. But I don't know a ton about music theory, but you can definitely tell that, like, she's very intentional with what she does. She knows what she's doing. She's very talented, but she's able to create, like, even if you didn't have the words, you would get a sense of the story without. Well, and and the fine example of that um, is the first song, the one, Mm -hmm. the, the opening lyric is something she uses text painting 
and that's like a musical theory term, almost all the time. And she's really good about it. And in that one, she's talking about high heels on a cobblestone. Mm-hmm. And if you listen, you can hear that. Mm-hmm. It's her text meeting. So she knows exactly what she's doing. She she yeah. has it and she, she's got it down. So that's what makes her one of the better ones. Yeah. And then, you know, she finishes off. So she starts off with the one and that gives you the idea of how the whole you know, mm-hmm. album's going to sound. And then she finishes it off with the hoax where it's almost basically telling everybody this is the really this is real. This isn't fake. This is what I came up with, and these are really the songs I came up. It was, it's almost like her basically going out and saying, "This is my album. You, you can enjoy it or not." So this is yeah. not a hoax. It's like an anti. You know, yeah, so. people definitely have pigeonholed pigeonholed her recently, yeah. and I think that might be. <laughs> I think that might be like a social media thing where it's just like everyone can talk about anything with people around the world. And so maybe it just seems like on Twitter, like everyone is like, Oh, she's a pop artist, but she's very intentional with like, she's an artist. She doesn't want those labels kind of like with the, like she doesn't want to be a female song, be a songwriter, she's but right, like right. she's a writer and a musician plays instruments. She knows the music theory. She knows how to write. She knows how to sing. Like she's creating a story and she's always been, like, a storyteller, but this one is very clearly, like, folklore storytelling. It's very, very, yeah, um, like, refined in that way. Yeah. Well, cool. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank I'm you. I'm glad you were able to do this with me. Yeah. Cool. All right. Till next time, guys.